Man, what a great episode we have coming your way today. I am excited for this one. Uh, I got a good friend of mine, Kyle Camp, joining the show. He's a dietitian, and he's going to be talking to us about nutrition and the importance of that, not only just for your regular health, but specifically we'll talk about athletics. Uh, we, we dive into the world of you know pre-workout nutrition, intra-workout nutrition, post-workout nutrition, and how that applies. I'll talk about my own personal experiences with my half marathon and how I ended up in the hospital, how I could have avoided that. And we'll learn about his story and how he got into nutrition and what caused that because he had his own health and fitness journey himself. Um, and it it's really cool to hear his insight because he breaks things down in layman's terms where we can all understand it and understand the importance of it. But here's another thing. When people hear nutrition, they automatically want to just turn it off because they're like, ah, no, it's just too hard for me. I'm going to tell you some of his stories that he shares will be so relatable that you'll you'll actually leave the interview with some hope that you could like, if you have a problem with your own nutrition, you'll leave the interview with hope because you're like, oh, it's not that hard. I just needed to hear it from somebody like him. So this is going to be a really good interview. Uh, I, I really am excited to share it with you guys. And I have to shout out Brittany, uh, Brittany Race, who was my friend who connected me with Kyle. Um, you'll hear about her again in the interview because I, I shout her out. But man, what an awesome friend she is for connecting the two of us. I would encourage you guys to listen to this, take notes, and follow Kyle and their company um, if you guys want to take advantage of their services because he is a wealth of knowledge. This is the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. My name is Shane Larson, host of the show. Like I said, man, you guys know if you've been following me for a while, I mean, we're seven years running into the show. Um, the, the show has been downloaded in 182 countries, all 50 states. It continues to grow. Um, if you follow me on social media, you'll see, you know, I post a lot about just the business side of things as well as I, I like to share some of the, the interviews that we've done, but I also like to share the business side of things. And so you'll see some of the markets that are uh, most popular for the show. And, you know, if you're in those markets, awesome. If not share the show out there. I mean, it's all due to the listeners of the podcast and everything you guys have done for us in the last seven years of just sharing the content, sharing the content, being on the podcast yourselves, following me on social media, leaving a review of the podcast, all of it helps. So I just want to say thank you for that. Um, I also want to shout out Athlete Narrative. As you guys heard in the introduction, Athlete Narrative is uh, the presenting sponsor of this particular podcast episode. And Athlete Narrative <laughs> is an amazing tool for athletes to build their brand, to leverage their name, image, and likeness. So if you're interested in getting a 10% off each month on your subscription. It would make it 90 bucks a month to use their software and their, their, their services. And you're an athlete, high school athlete, college athlete, and you want to be able to monetize off of your name, image, and likeness, hit the link that's in my, my description of this podcast. You guys can go in there and get a 10% off of your monthly subscription, and it's pretty affordable for the services they provide. Okay, so starting you know, today, I mean, nutrition is a big factor for me. And this current point of my life, actually, at the time of this recording, I'm on a journey. It's a weight loss journey, um, but I'm, I've always been into fitness. I've always been into athletics. And there's a reason I've, I've, I've really dialed in on my nutrition. But I've also been a geek about nutrition and like, especially in the world of athletics. And here's the reason why. 
I always talk to you guys about like the high level athletes, such as LeBron James and those, those guys who keep their bodies in check with a lot of, you know, they, they keep, they're mindful of their nutrition and they keep their bodies recovering and they are always able to compete at a very, very high level. And nutrition is just such a massive part of that. And so today we're bringing on an expert. His name is Kyle Camp from Valley to Peak Nutrition. And we are excited to talk to Kyle and um, learn about his uh, his knowledge. Let him share his insight with us. So Kyle, thanks for joining the show, brother. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. This is great. I'm excited. And congratulations on the success. I mean, you were leading... Obviously, I was on on the podcast as you were introducing it and talking about the widespread audience that you reached. That's awesome. Congratulations. Oh, man. Well, I appreciate you. And that, that's that's from people like you that, that joined the show and, and shared it. It has nothing to do with me. It's all the people like yourself that have been willing to join us. So thank you. And and let's shout out Brittany. Uh, my friend Brittany Race. I got to shout out Brittany. I, I, I love Devin and Brittany. Those are some of my long -term, like longtime friends. Um, I met them back when I was working at my old job back in like 2007. Um, and Brittany's a good friend of mine and that's who actually introduced me to Kyle. So I'm excited for, for this conversation, but I want to shout out Brittany as well. Um, for like, she's just so supportive and I just always love that about her. So, uh, Kyle, let's, let's, uh, break it down. So first, <clears throat> before we get to know more about you and your expertise and, and whatnot, tell us about Valley to peak nutrition and the business side of it. Then I'm going to get to know you a little bit more and we're going to hear your background, but what is Valley to peak nutrition and, um, what services do you guys provide? Like what, what is that and where can they find you? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, they're almost like they're almost one in the same talking about my background and then what what Valley to Peak is. Um, I'm, I'm going to go in reverse, actually. I don't know if okay. I'm breaking protocol here, but you're good. You're good. This is you, man. You tell it. So prior to, you know, prior to us recording, you were kind of like, well, tell me about your health journey. I was like, man, we should probably press record because it only comes out once. And, you know, that's kind of the backstory. So you know, oftentimes, and this isn't always the case, but dietitians or people that are really focused on health, they had some sort of upbringing in it, right? They, they'd been exposed to it. That wasn't the case for me at all. In fact, um, what interested me, what got me into health and going that that route for my career field to, origin, to answer the question that you'd asked earlier was I actually grew up uh, really overweight until I was, I was 270 pounds when I was 23. And I lost 140 pounds. And in that experience, process, journey, whatever you want to call it, I really got interested in learning how nutrition worked. And so I went back to uh, I went back to college. I was in my mid 20s at that point. I hadn't really had any exposure to college at that at that time and knew I wanted to go back to school. So I went back for at that time I was going between either graphic art, um, physical education to be a teacher or nutrition, nutrition being the hardest route. And I wasn't a guy who had any chemistry background and nutrition is a, a chemistry heavy subject. Um, and so I, I went back, got my, my education in that. Valley to Peak is like our, our tagline is we help everyday men and women perform and enjoy optimally in the mountains. So we live in the West, we live in Idaho. And typically people reach out to us whenever they have a goal in mind and they're unsure on how to hit it, whether that's weight loss or sometimes it's performance, sometimes it's training, sometimes it's sports, sometimes it's a, a variety of different things. But what we have really is, and we have worked to build an abundance of resources available to people to help them on that journey. Everything from completely free on a journal that we've got or a blog online. We have a podcast as well that we update every other week. 
And the, the goal in that is to always give helpful information that help people reach whatever the goal is. We do have, you know, opportunities for people that are interested to dive in deeper or we have paid products, right? We have self-guided courses. We have group courses that dive deeper into nutrition topics. And then as kind of our high level um, product, we have one-on-one coaching, which is where we work one-on-one with someone to help them reach whatever goal it is that they've got in mind. We do that through creating a, a process for them. And I think in the years that I've done this, like the one overarching theme that I've seen is a lot of people are, you know, really willing to do the work, really willing to invest the time. And, you know, this will speak to kind of even what you were saying leading into this and the journey that you've been on is you're willing to, and it's not easy sometimes, right? You're willing to invest the work. There is some work there. But the next thing they always say is, I just don't even know where to begin. There's so much stuff out there. I have no idea what's right. I have no idea what's good information, what's bad information. And I would say, you know, a a major role of our job is helping them decipher that information and create some clarity on a topic that's been really confusing for a long time for people. Man, this is uh, really good for me to talk to you about because what you just said there, people are just, they're not, there's so much to like, it, it's um, sometimes people, I, I heard this thing, it was called a uh, pig. Don't be a pig, but this is what they said. A professional information gatherer. That was uh, Dre Baldwin. Shout out to Dre. He was actually on my show like four years ago, but he called people professional information gatherers, pigs in this sense, because what they do is they, they gather all this information, then they don't do anything with it because they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. So they need people in his industry. He was basically saying, I'm going to help you not be a pig. We're going to have help you like gather the information and know what to do with it. That's kind of what you're doing in your industry is just helping people have that have all this information, not be a professional information gatherer, rather someone who can just like decipher what's what they need to do. And I'll say this in my journey, I've noticed that like with food specifically, just nutrition as a whole, it's like a psychological warfare uh, for me specifically. It's it's all psychological because I almost would look at calories like I would like. You know, some people are afraid to look at their bills. They just like pay it and they don't want to look at their their finances because it scares them. Because once they see the reality of like what their budget is that they're spending, they get nervous. Well, it's the same with calories. Like you actually, if you actually look at your diet, a normal person's diet that's not really focused and cognizant of what they're eating, it's kind of it's a reality check. And that's kind of how it was for me, Kyle. So. I'm curious, do you, do you see that a lot in your industry that like people are like, once they track their food, they're like, holy cow. Like, cause that's what happened to me just about four weeks ago. I had to do a reality check. I'm like, man, I've been busting my tail with my fitness and everything, but why am I gaining weight? Like what's going on? And then I'm like, well, it's probably cause I'm having, I'm eating really well. And then eight o'clock, two bowls of cereal, a thing of popcorn, and then maybe a couple chips all between eight and 9 PM. Then I go to sleep on it and I'm like, okay. So then I count the calories. I'm like, yeah, that's probably why I was not losing weight. So I'm just curious. Do you, do you deal a lot with that when people have to like do a little bit of a reality check with the, the nutrition and the, just like the the reality of the numbers? I would say it's as you were talking and you said the hardest part for me is the psychological part. I, I would, my exact verbiage that was rolling in my head. That's not just you. That's everyone. Right. It, it, and what I'll often tell people when they start, I, I'm, I might, I'll say this, like, this is how I'll end our starting conversation. Everything you're going to learn is going to be very, very simple, but that does not mean it's going to be easy. And in fact, the hardest 
the hardest thing that's going to be that, that you're going, the thing that you're going to have the hardest time mastering is the five inches between your ears. That's going to be the biggest barrier. And to the point that you're making there, what I, the other thing that I find that a lot of people have confused is like you, you went through and you said I had a couple bowls of cereal and popcorn. You didn't say I had double cheeseburgers, fries, six pounds of bacon and 24 Reese's peanut butter cups. It's, it's pretty obvious to most people. Yeah, I probably shouldn't be doing something like that. But the body operates off of calories. So you could eat excellent quality. You could eat. You could make great choices. But like the phrase that we use all the time in our program is there is nothing good. There's nothing bad when it comes to food. It's always the dose that makes the poison, right? And so I think like one of the number one tools that we have people use when they sign up is you have got to track your food. Now, so our, our, our program is broken down into three phases. The third phase of our program is called maintenance phase. And many people are apprehensive to begin tracking because they're afraid they're going to have to do it forever. You're not in maintenance phase. We get rid of our reliance on tracking. But I think the best parallel to nutrition is exactly the one that you use. It's finance. If if you were running a business, right, and you're are you were running a a you know anything? If you were running a business, if you were running your own personal finance, if you were running a service line in a business or whatever, and your boss came to you or you were coming to you, and you're wondering how in the world am I overdrafting on my bank account every month? And you were to like, let's say that you were sitting down with a financial advisor and you they asked you that question, I'd say I don't know, I. I make some money and then I spend it and like, I just figure it should all work out. And it's like, well, that's not how it works. You have to keep an eye. You have to have an idea of how much is coming in, how much is going out. And if those numbers don't equal, then you're, you got a problem. Right. And, and it's, 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 it's a great parallel, Shane. You said it perfect. That is exactly how this works. And I think that most people are shocked by like, you want to be depressed measure out a tablespoon of peanut butter and see what that is compared to your, your actual calorie need. Um, and, and it, it, it'll quickly start to add up when you, when we study this kind of at an academic or nerd level, one of the things that we find one of the greatest gaps in is generally people are eating half the amount of calories. I'm sorry, people are eating double the amount of calories that they think they are. So like we'll use simple numbers. They think they're eating a thousand, but as they start tracking and measuring their food, they're eating 2000. And then all of a sudden they have that same type of moment you had, which was like, oh, well, no wonder, no wonder that I'm not seeing a good ROI with my time for the amount of effort that I've been investing here. I'm way over, even though I'm making great choices. I'm not out there. You know, I've changed the quality of the food that I've eaten, but I'm not seeing progress. It's always numbers. Thank you for sharing that, man. I uh, I think it's important for us to just, it's not to scare people. This is why I, I see so many people that have like, you know, you can call it a food addiction or just an issue with food. I don't know if it gets, not everybody has to have an addiction to food, but some people just have a struggle with overeating because like you said, they're not aware. Um, I wish we could like help people at a younger age, even athletes for that matter, just understanding the numbers side of it. Like how many calories are in a pound? Like how many calories equate to a pound? And then like you start doing the math and you're like, ah, there you go. But one time I, I worked at a company called bodybuilding.com back in the day. And we had a guy there, Kyle, that actually said something that was interesting to me. And it's, it's stuck with me forever. He said, like some guy said, do you have a problem like walking around at 300 pounds when you're in your professional bodybuilding stage of, of 
you know, that part of the year or whatever. And he said something, he goes, no, because I know that if I want to get to a certain weight, I can always do it. And he goes, because there's very few things that we have control over in this world. And one of the very few things we do is our body composition because of the fact that it's numbers. If I want to lose a certain amount of weight by a certain amount of time, although it does take effort, he said, I can calculate that. It's a numbers game. I can calculate it. If I want to lose it fast, if I want to lose it over time and be more comfortable, if I want to gain weight, I can do it. Like he goes there, it's a numbers game. And that's always stuck with me. But again, it's like you said, it's, it's pretty simple. It's just, it's not easy to do. And that's, that's the one thing. So with that being said, I, I want to um, touch base on the athletic side of things. So for some with me in my current journey at this moment, I mean, I haven't changed anything that I'm doing athletically. I mean, I'm pretty active for, compared to the normal person. And I just kind of shifted my, my, my eating um, habits as far as like the calorie count that I'm having and just being smarter about my choices. And I've been able to drop 14 pounds in four weeks and it's been, and I feel good. My strength's not gone. It's just, it's like, whoa, that's what happens when you just eat like you should be eating. Right. Like I'm not doing anything crazy, but I do, I, I want to touch base on this because a lot of athletes struggle because they're putting in a lot of effort, especially at a young age, their testosterone for men, their testosterone levels are super, super high, but even the girls are like, they're very active when they're younger, burning a lot of calories. They need to maintain a lot of calories. And then during the off season, or maybe their career is over, they struggle because their bodies aren't as active anymore. They're not forced to be as active, but now they have these eating habits. So I guess my question for you would be, is there a way for athletes or any active person to develop healthy habits with food so that when they transition from that stage to the next part of their life, they don't see a massive drop off where they really end up having a problem physically. That is a good question. That is a very loaded question because you're dealing with psychology, right? Yeah. But yeah. but there are there are strategies and habits you can implement. <clears throat> I might have you re rephrase the question here in a little bit, but even going back to you know the conversation, the topic we had just a second ago on calories, the inverse is true as well when you're talking about the athlete. Like you reference LeBron, you left you referenced a couple of pretty high level athletes. Tracking can also be effective to make sure that you're getting enough fuel, right? Because if you want to achieve peak performance, you have got to fuel the body well. You can't be mediocre. You can't be kind of close. And, and I think like, especially for the young athlete, collegiate, high school, et cetera, the idea is, is, well, I'm already playing pretty good. I probably, you know, I probably don't need to do that. My, my rebuttal to that to everyone is always imagine what you might be if you did, <laughs> right? Imagine what you might be if you did hit that, because there is a difference between optimal and practical, and it's good to find those, right? Like you don't want to drive yourself nuts tracking this, but at the same time, if you're doing everything in training, you're doing everything your coaches are suggesting, you're getting decent sleep, you're, you've got all those great habits, but you haven't tackled this other variable of nutrition yet. It seems like low hanging fruit, easy thing to do to see, can I get another 1%, right? Can I get D1? Can I get somebody to look at me? Can I get, right? Some, some of those things. The, the Going back to the original question that you had just a second ago, are there habits that they can develop um, over time? I think that, again, this is psychology. So th the trouble with food is there's, there's a lot of things involved whenever you talk about this topic. We don't just eat based on appetite. We eat for joy, right? We eat because it brings us pleasure. We eat for all of these different reasons. So some of these strategies, when it comes to 8 p.m. and you want a bowl of cereal, me telling you, oh, go off of how you feel. Go off of if you're hungry rather than just a craving. 
it's going to be really hard to combat that craving at 8 p.m. and tell yourself no. That's just the psychology part of it. But I think if you develop kind of the mindset of, I think two things come to mind. One, learning and going off of hunger versus craving. Am I hunger? Am I, am I genuinely hungry and I need some fuel for my body? Or is this just something that like I'm bored and want to fill the time gap just sounds good the same way a hot shower might sound good right now, right? And trying to decipher what those two things look like for one. But then number two, getting an understanding of one of the one of the real reasons to eat, although I will not deny like pleasure is one of the great things of life whenever you go in, eating something with somebody you care about that tastes good is a almost as good as it gets on this side of, of eternity, whatever you believe that is, right? So it's not to say like, oh yeah, you should just eat for strictly fuel. But at the same time, that is that is important. One of the, um, there's a phrase that floats around right now, kind of in the, in the training community, right? Like the workout community, which is choose your heart. I hate one-liner phrases like that because it drives this idea like that we've all got to be militant or whatever, but there's some truth in that. And so it's, is evaluating, okay, look, no matter what, no matter what you do here, there's going to be a challenge. Either you deny yourself a craving because you realize it's not really doing anything for you, for your health, or you find yourself at a weight that you're not comfortable at, which I had lived a long time at, and you realize I can't do things in life that I actually like right? Both of those are hard. Both of those are going to involve really tough decisions. And you kind of do have to, to evaluate which one of those are more important to you. But, you know, that that is not to take away from the, the reality and you framed it well. Folks who find themselves in that position have a hard decision to make. It is hard to sit there and deny yourself what you want after you've been used to eating a specific way for so many years. So with that being said, I mean, it's so true though. Like you have to make a decision if at some point I had my own story of when I made my decision, I mean, like, like four years ago, for example, I mean, I didn't, I, I was, I lost 40 pounds, but there was a decision I had to make. It was like, man, I have, I have young kids. I was an athlete. So I always battled that whole depression of like, man, I just used to be this. Uh, I, I was like uncle Rico. I was like, man, I used to be this athlete. I used to be super fit what happened to me. But then it was like, dude, I literally can't run a half a mile without being out of breath. So I was like, man, I got to do something. I got to do something. If I want to play ball with my kids, I got to figure. And so it was like a, it was just a, one of those moments where it's like an aha moment where it's like, Hey, it's time to get to work. And for me, that works. I guess I would ask you this question, Kyle, cause we never really broke it down yet, but you did mention a couple of times about your journey. And when you had lost weight and you, I think you said a hundred plus pounds, 140 pounds, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what was the moment for you and how did that click for you to then say, okay, now it's time to take action? I remember it like it was yesterday. It was, oh man, was it 15, 16 years ago, I guess. But I was in my early 20s. Um, I think I was 20 at the time, laying in bed Christmas morning and started having these chest pains. And I had just gotten blood work prior to that. And you know, like I didn't know anything about health at that point, hadn't been to college for anything health related. And they were throwing around terms like high blood pressure, high cholesterol. And honestly, it was so prevalent in our family and in the region that I lived in at the time that it was just like, yeah, sounds like something everybody gets. Guess it's mine now. <laughs> you know, it didn't really dawn on me that this could have a 
pretty big impact. But when I started having chest pains that young, you know, I, like I could, I knew I wasn't in great health. You know, I wasn't like I was naive to that, but that was really the initial aha moment of I've got to do something about this. And Shane, I did not dive off the deep end. Like when I, when I did it, it was, it was the 26th of December, right around the January 1st. And I would just start making changes that seemed obvious to me. You know, I'd still go to Wendy's, for example, but rather than getting a double cheeseburger with fries and a frosty and a soda, I'd get a grilled chicken, take one, one of the buns off, get a plain baked potato, not put butter or sour cream or anything on it and get a water instead of the soda and the frosty. Go to Domino's rather than eating the entire Domino's, I might eat two slices off of it rather than eating, you know, different types of candy bars for snacks. I'd eat an apple. I was just making like, this seems like a conceivable change. And I was consistent. I did that for the first time in my life over and over and over again. And when I got the craving for something, I was like, you know what? I want to see what happens if I just stick to this. And the weight started progressively coming off until it, you know, eventually lost 140 pounds. I'll say this though, um, because you're talking about former athletes who are now not athletes. And so it sort of conjures this image of time, right? Time goes by and you change and what your goals are change. That like what, what you're just, what you're describing is someone's why, right? Like that's what's your why, what's the reason that you're chasing this thing? Something we talk about a lot with our folks is that will change right now. It could be, okay, my why is, um, frankly, back then it was like, I want to get a girlfriend. <laughs> I want to date a girl. Right. And then, okay. Now that everybody in my high school has seen me, I want to show up to my five-year high school reunion still this way. So no one can look at me and say, ah, look, you gained it all back. And then it turned into, I want to get married. And then it turned in, we had kids. I want to do stuff with my kids. Right. It's always changing. And I, but I think that that's a good thing because it's always going to perpetuate a sense of motivation. There's a reason to keep making these decisions. Now, this is my job. I'm 16 years of, you know, on this side of my initial weight loss. And I will say this though, in, in complete honesty, it's never something you don't have to pay attention to. It gets easier. It's not as much work. You're not, I don't use a tracker anymore. Nothing like I did when I'd initially lost weight but I still have to regularly make the right choice. That's gotten easier over time, but it's still something like I've got to, I've got to be aware of. I can't just completely neglect the, the decisions that I've made over the years and then expect I'm like just going to keep the weight off. You, you still have to be intentional. That whole point of that is so awesome. And I think if I could share something with anybody is that um, it's not – I think a lot of people, it's like any addiction for that matter. Like I talked to a lot of people who have battled substance abuse and I've even had uh, former athletes that went through substance abuse here on my show, like whether they were drug addictions, alcohol addictions, it's a similar thing for them. They've mentioned that like, yeah, they're sober for X amount of years or X amount of time, but their temptations are still there. It's something that they have to be cognizant of. They have to actually make a legitimate effort. It's not easy for them. They still have to make an effort. And I think what you just said, I'm not trying to compare the two, but there are some parallels there as far as like a food addiction. If someone has a food addiction or just someone who's trying to be more cognizant, you still have to make an effort. Even when you've hit your goal and you're consistently working, you still have to make an effort. Otherwise, you know, it can have an adverse effect where it just reverses. And 
is not just going to keep its weight off. You know, you have to be healthy. Healthy is a choice. Healthy living is a choice. And um, I love that you just said that because it's it's a reality that we have to face if we're trying to be healthier. And but if you if you build those consistent habits, I love that you mentioned consistency during your weight loss as well. That was something that stood out to me because um, it's not like I'm sure that 140 didn't just come off in a month. It's like, no, you have to consistently do the little things. And I love the fact that you were open and honest about you weren't like immediately on this. Okay. So I've got, you know, four, four ounces of chicken and this and this and this and this, and I got a protein shake here. And No, you just made smarter choices with your portion sizes and so forth at the places you were used to eating. And it still built those habits and you just consistently kept building off that. The other thing I loved was that you mentioned your why. Um, I encourage people who are listening to this right now to remember your why. And that will change over time because like you said, it changes for me, like, especially lately, uh, one of my motivating factors is like, well, I coach basketball and these high school kids, I want to, I want to still show them that I can compete with them, but I can't move out there if I'm not in the right condition, man, I got to take care of my body a little bit better, you know? And so that's a big motivating factor. And then my kids are another motivating factor. My wife is another motivating factor. Yeah. I'm already married, but I don't think people should just fall off because they're married. You should want to continue to like, you know, you know, take care of yourself, right? I don't want to fall off with that and, and, and whatnot. I think it's disrespectful to my spouse if I were to just fall off. So, well, I think it's, I think it's being an asset to your family, right? Like great, if, great if you're point. not in, if you're not taking care of yourself, someone's got to pick that up. Right. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that. Like, I don't, whether it's now or when I'm 75, I don't want people to have to be worried about me. I want to be able to take care of them, you know, and, it sounds, I mean, I'm almost apprehensive to say because it, it sounds real heroic, but I, I don't mean for it to. It, it's not, it's not a, I, I think like to your point, you're right. Like, I don't want to look at my wife and be like, well, you got me now. I'm going to let myself go. I mean, I, you know, you want to want to take care of yourself for them too. You're right. No, that is being an asset to your family. I will coin that term and I will put it in a snippet here on social media. Just watch because I think that was awesome. Great job. Um, that That's, if you guys who are listening to this, take anything away, rewind that, take notes on your phone. If that's how you're listening to it, or if you're watching it on YouTube, whatever you're doing, I'd say, take note of what Kyle just said right there. Be an asset to your family. Think of it that way. If, if there's any way you want to think about it, that's a phenomenal way to think. Great, great job, man. That's fantastic. So here's a question I have then, Kyle. I wish I would have talked to you prior to my half marathon in September. So here's a, here's a funny story. <laughs> Okay. I'd been running for about four months straight prepping for my half marathon. I'm not a small guy. Like I'm six, two and two forty. Um, I was hovering around the same weight when I was running. So like, it's a lot of, I mean, I'm not like built like a runner. I'm not built like a, I'm built like a linebacker, not like a runner who's 160 pounds. Right. So, uh, but I still love running. Um, I, I love running. I love competing in long distance running. It's fun for me, but my issue is I sweat a ton. Um, and in a, in a two hour run, which is what I run a half marathon in. Again, I'm not the fastest guy, but I'm also not the slowest. It's uh, I'll burn anywhere between 2,000 to 2,500 calories just from the run itself. And then I can lose anywhere between eight to 12 pounds of water. Um, I do that consistently just based on how much my body goes through. And that day in September, September 16th, uh, I was running and definitely didn't have my, I didn't bring my electrolytes with me and my water. I thought, oh, they have enough stations along the way that it'll be fine. They'll just be extra weight on my my body if I bring my belt, which I shouldn't have done that. I had a system of drinking water every mile, every, electrolytes every two miles, and just like keeping myself going the whole time. Uh, lo and behold, my heart rate skyrocketed the last three miles. I was over 190 beats a minute for the last three miles of the race. And uh, 
I hit over 200 beats a minute on my heart rate at the very end of the race. I collapsed as after I passed the finish line, couldn't get up off the ground. My legs stopped working and they ended up putting me in the ER because <laughs> take me in an ambulance. So my whole point was like, man, I didn't, uh, I didn't prepare properly for that. I thought I was totally fine, but my body went through some super, super rigorous activity there. And I found myself in a bad situation, even though I had prepped as much as I possibly could. So for people who are long distance athletes or anybody who's competing in a, in a high level like myself so that we can avoid those situations, do you have any recommendations or advice for the people like myself? I'll just, for an idiot like me, what would you say? <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the interesting thing about, you know, we'll think of fuel, like people, you know, are into gels and all of these different things on half marathons, full marathons, ultras, et cetera. We'll talk about that again here in a second, but like hy hydration is something that's generally not thought of. The, the interesting part about that is it takes as little as one to 2% of a loss in hydration or, or like your weight sometimes whenever you're measuring how much fluid you lose for a drop of of, uh, of performance to, to take place. So obviously the main goal there is you want to try to, um, replace that, replace any amount of, flu of, of fluid that you're losing. One of the things that you've got to pay attention to though, because like generally a person like me, a dietitian, they'll say, well, you need to drink X number of milliliters, X number of liters over a certain period of time. I don't love that because not everybody's going to be the same. And the worst thing that you can have develop in a situation like that is sloshy gut syndrome, right? You drink so much water that you're running and it just feels like there's a half of like a water tank in your stomach bouncing around and makes you want to throw up. I think it's important to A, sip regularly. B, make sure that whatever you're drinking has sodium in it, right? And most electrolyte powders will. So we often think of like when, when an athlete gets a cramp, they'll say like potassium, eat more bananas, eat more. Sodium is the number one electrolyte lost in sweat. That's the thing that you've got to replace. So you want to be sure that you're taking in some sodium. That electrolyte drink should have about 300 milligrams per serving in it, right? So you can just read the package and see if that's true or not. Those are two things you want to focus on. I would say the third one, maybe the most overlooked would be you want to be taking in carbohydrate at regular intervals, doing something like that. The greater the intensity of the activity, the higher the number of carbs to as many as 60 grams or roughly 200 calories worth of carbs every hour. That's doing two things. One, we have limited supply of carbohydrate or fuel in our muscles. So as you're going, you're burning those. If you don't take some in, they're gone. That's it. See you later. But the second value of that is when you have carbohydrates coming in at a regular interval, water attaches to those. You retain more water. You become less dehydrated. You have less issues like you had on September 16th. So it is really this threefold process of fluid, sodium, carbohydrate at regular intervals, anytime you plan on any training or a race to go over 60 minutes. Now, if it's only going to be 63 minutes, not a big deal. But I think once you're starting to look at a range between 60 and 90, you need to be considering what we call intra-workout or we call intra-workout fueling, which is, are you going to take some fuel in during the workout? Right. And those are really three, three things to pay attention to carbohydrate, sodium, and fluid. That is super helpful. 
I appreciate that. So again, I'll take note of it because it's specifically for me, but I know there's other people out there too. That was probably, and it wasn't cheap. I'll tell you what, an ambulance ride and an ER visit <laughs> because, and you had to pay to do the race anyway. I was like, this ended up being a very expensive, I have the metal. Where's the metal at? Oh yeah. This little plastic metal. I was like, that was a very expensive plastic metal for me right there. That's so right. I've, I've always, I was like, dude, I can't do that again. But another reason I even brought it up, Kyle, is because we mentioned our kids and being an asset for the family. Well, my son, who's seven years old, I mean, he saw me in the in the ambulance and he was terrified. Like, I knew I was going to probably be okay because I was like, dude, they just got to get me rehydrated because I can't move. But he didn't understand that. So he was pretty terrified. And so I was like, you know what? I don't want him to be scared when I do things like that. But I still want to be able to push myself. But I got to not be an idiot. Um, but that, those things can happen. What it did show me is how the body works. And that's what's cool about talking to someone like yourself is like, when we're younger, we don't think that would ever happen to us. Like, oh, we'll never push ourselves to that exhaustion. I'm like, no, like the body has limits too. Um, even though everyone wants to David Goggins it sometimes and just do their thing, it has limits. And so you've got to take care of yourself. So people like you are vital for, for this type of thing. And so here's um, here's a question for you. So some people might have like, let's just say you're, you're an athlete getting ready for a basketball game, or maybe you're getting ready for a boxing match. I'll talk my language here. And like, maybe you, you want to have something prior to the activity to have some fuel, but what if, uh, you know, some bodies are better, like some bodies function better. It feels like when they're fasted, like they can perform on a fasted state for a certain amount of time as compared to like maybe fueling up two hours prior. Do you guys in, in, in your company at Valley to peak, do you guys have like a way to gauge that? Like who's like, do you have to adjust per each person that you work with? Like how does their body function? Cause I, I can't lift weights or run with any food in my stomach, if it's been closer to like an hour and a half, two hours from eating, like I have to eat way before if I'm going to even have food in my stomach, just because it messes me up. I'm just curious, like, do you have to adjust to everybody? Yeah. Well, yeah. So I would say two things on that one. The, the when, 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 when we do podcasts like this, I always say this, one of the best questions or one of the best answers that any decent dietitian could ever give is it depends because everybody's unique, right? I could tell you all the right things. You go do it and you fall apart. I could tell you everything not to do. You go do it and set a PR, right? So it, it's, it is very tenuous, not tenuous, but it is very specific based on the person. And that is like the one-on-one. You're able to have a conversation with someone when you're working one-on-one with them to say, okay, let's try this. Oh, I've tried that before. It doesn't work well. Great. Here's an alternative. But here's the, here's the, Here's the good part. Here's the, the real value add to any listener is there are, there are some universal things that are applicable for any athlete. It doesn't matter if you're an endurance runner. It doesn't matter if you're a basketball player. It doesn't matter if you're a boxer, baseball player. It doesn't matter. This is universally applicable. If you're going to have at least three hours between your training session and your meal, you can have a full meal, carbohydrates, proteins, vegetables, if you want them, really anything that you want in there. We know, though, that proteins, fat, and fiber, so fiber is found in predominantly fruits, vegetables, and grains, we know those take a very long time to digest. So as you, as you close that gap between when you eat and when you train, you want to switch to things that are easy to digest. So let's say, for example, you had planned to eat lunch at noon, you've got a training session at four but work just got completely away from you. You haven't eaten since 10 a.m., but you don't really want to go into training completely fasted because you're already feeling tired. 
what you want to focus on whenever the time gap is an hour or less is simple to digest carbohydrates. So you can do things like a Gatorade, you can do gummy bears, you could do uh, Skittles, you could do Starburst, you could do dried fruit, you could do a number of things because you have one of the things that we forget is that at some point, the food that we put in our mouth turns into energy that propels the life that we love, right? I mean, at, at some point, there is a there's an exchange or reaction that is going on in our body that takes food that we eat and converts it into usable fuel. The time gap in foods that are easy to digest is near immediate, right? It is almost, it is almost instantaneous. It's not instantaneous, but it's pretty close to it. So you're going to get that fuel for the training whenever you walk in there. If you sit down to a full meal and then you walk in 45 minutes later to train, that may not even be done being processed until after you're done training there. You're not getting it yet. You're not getting the fuel to propel you through the workout. So the, 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 the couple of things there to remember are time, right? So if you've got three hours or more, you can afford a full meal. If you have 60 minutes or less, you want to eat very easy, simple to digest carbohydrates. And then, um, Number number two, which somewhat falls along the same lines as what we're talking about, even though it's not directly tied to right before you eat. This goes back to tracking, making sure that you are getting regular fuel in every day to meet whatever your numbers are between carbs, proteins, fats, calories, because the body is like a reservoir, constantly filling, constantly draining, constantly filling, constantly draining. If you are supplying what you need at the end of the day to match those numbers, your body is going to take over when it comes time. So let's go back to your, your, what should I eat beforehand? If your numbers are right on a day-to-day -day basis and you go work out, there is plenty to take from in the reservoir to get through that training. Even if you don't have time to eat, as long as you are sitting there and you are making sure you're hitting those numbers on a day-to-day -day basis. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Okay. That please. is the best explanation of any of that that I've heard. So thank you. And I worked in the fitness industry. Go figure, right? Like there's always like the, everyone thinks they're a bodybuilder or something. And then you hear that and you're like, yeah, yeah. Some people never broke it down like that. I'll just say it that way. That's perfect. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. It's, it's a, I mean, nutrition can be, it can be a really difficult topic to understand, but it's 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 not that hard. It's really not. I mean, it's it, it can be it could be challenging to take the information that's out there and translate it into um, into something that someone understands. Like go back to uh, this, I hope this doesn't sound narcissistic, <laughs> but you go back to you go back to whenever I went to college and I said, look, I didn't have a strong chemistry background, but nutrition is a very chemistry heavy subject. I was not smart. But I had literally invested my entire life into studying and I would read what it said in the textbook. And I had no idea what that meant in a practical level. So I would come up with these metaphors that made sense to me, like a reservoir or a, a tractor or a diesel engine or chain linked fence to describe how slow or fast carbohydrates break down. I had to translate it into a way that I understood or I couldn't digest the information to pass an exam. And this is the part I hope doesn't sound narcissistic, but I think because I wasn't smart and I had to do that, it's given, it's helped me a lot to be able to explain it to someone, you know, in, a, in everyday terminology where it's, where it's understandable, like, oh, fueling's like a reservoir. And as long as you keep that full, full, 
there still is plenty to take off the top so that you don't have to worry about filling it up right beforehand. Oh, dude, I don't think it's narcissistic at all. I think it it's a blessing to have someone that I would consider an expert in the field to be able to explain it in layman's terms for people who need it. That's, that's the problem is people overcomplicate it. Even myself, like we overcomplicate things. We need someone to be able to break it down for us. And that's well, I think. I don't think it's narcissistic at all. I think it's, that's what you put your time into and that's how you serve people. I think it's really, really cool. Um, yeah. And Kyle, one of the last questions I wanted to ask you is in regards to recovery, you know, I, we've talked about pre activity. Um, you know, you just mentioned like all the things there. And we've talked about intra workout as far as recovery is concerned. I think this is where a lot of people also have a problem because they might eat. Let's just say they have a, they have enough built up for like in the reservoir. So they can take, they can, they have enough to take from, even if they didn't eat prior to an activity or, or whatever, cause they've been doing the right things. But once they like go and exert themselves, let's say it's a basketball game, for example, or it's a half marathon. And you know, I, it, give or take a couple hundred calories, about 2000 to 2,500 calories is what I burned in a two hour window. And probably if we're being realistic, probably only replenished with maybe 50 like grams of carbohydrates in in that two hour window, plus not enough water or anything. So yeah, I was totally not doing what I was supposed to be doing there, but like, how do we know not to like, cause you'll see like the post game meals. Oh, we're going out to lasagna and we're going to start eating Italian food. And then all of a sudden, you overindulge and then it might almost have an adverse effect. So I guess my question is this, it's hard to have so many things to say. So my questions have been awful today. Very, very like loaded and not very well like stated, I guess, but how do we know how to pinpoint what we should be eating for recovery? Is there just maybe a basic thing to keep in mind when we go and make those choices for our recovery meals? Because recovery is just as important, if not more important than some of the stuff prior. Yeah, it, it comes down to, to this really, okay. We have, we get calories from three places, carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. Aside from that, we, there calories don't exist aside from those three. We do get calories from alcohol, but that's a totally different category, totally different conversation. If you can remember to make sure to, if you can remember each of those macros basically has one responsibility alone. Protein's responsibility is to recover. Carbohydrate's responsibility is for energy. And then the responsibility of fat is for transport of both hormones and, and vitamins. If you can make sure that that's a part of your post-game recovery meal, is there some protein in here? Is there some carbohydrate in here? Is there some produce in here? Is there vegetables and fruit in here? You can ensure that you are getting everything that you need to recover the muscle, replenish the fuel stores, and to make sure that you're going to recover well. One thing that I do want to say is like on the topic of fruits and veggies, which seem to be number one, it seems to be uh, like that seems to be the most predictable thing you would say from a dietitian, right? It's also the thing that is the most challenging for people to get, especially young athletes. But the value of it is this. Earlier, I said, at some point, the food that you put on your plate becomes usable fuel in your body. And I said that happens through a conversion process. The gasoline behind that conversion process comes from the nutrients in fruits and veggies. So if you think, oh, I'm going to get a lot of protein, build a lot of muscle, I'm going to eat carbohydrates and be really fast, but nah, fruits and veggies, I don't see any value in those. You're sadly mistaken. You're missing the 1%, right? So you want to make sure carbs, proteins, fat, and produce 
are all a part of your post-game workout. Earlier, we said nutrition is a game of numbers. It does not matter if those numbers from those three groups are being met from a PB&J and a glass of chocolate milk, a lasagna and a salad, a taco night, team taco night, whatever. It doesn't matter as long as those numbers are being met. Now, as far as overindulging, it, it depends on it depends on the athlete's goal, right? A single time of overindulgent, like let's say it was a travel day and you haven't eaten all day. You went, you had a game, and now all of a sudden it's team activity and you're you're stuffing yourself to the gills. You may still be in a deficit and not recovering as well because you're low from the whole day. So we can't look at overindulgence or underindulgence as a singular event. The ramifications that are often associated with those are a collection of times of overindulging. It's a whole life of overindulgence that leads to a weight that we don't want to be that affects our athletic performance. Or it's a whole life of not getting enough fuel that leads to underperformance that ultimately makes us not quite as good as maybe we could be for our genetic potential. So I think that that's a really long-winded way to answer your question as opposed to just saying what it is. But the, the key thing is this. When you look at your plate, whether someone's made it for you, a team parent has made it for you, if it's been catered for you, if you've made it yourself, or if you're a professional athlete and you've hired someone to make it, what's on that plate, there needs to be some protein to recover your muscle. There needs to be some carbohydrates to make sure that reservoir gets filled again. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Fat's the easiest macro to get, so probably don't need to worry about that. It's already going to be there, I would imagine. And then make sure that there's some sort of a vegetable on there for the nutrients. Going back to the carbohydrates, even the protein, even this whole topic of post-workout nutrition, we often think of our food relating to what we're doing that day, right? I've got a game today. Today, I'm going to eat good. But you've got to remember that nutrition is dynamic. It is recovering you from yesterday, fueling you for today, and preparing you for tomorrow. So great, you had a game today. Guess what? Tomorrow's practice. You're going to eat like crap now that the game's over because tomorrow's going to suck at practice. How you practice is how you play. You want to be great in the game? Be great at practice. You have to stay on top of it. And, it, you know, it, it makes sense where a guy like me would, oh, it's so predictable you would be so adamant and passionate about this because I've seen the effects for people. And, and again, like my job is for someone who is not, it's not just to make it right. Like we do, we work with outdoor athletes a lot and we work with people who aren't athletes at all. I mean, it just, it, the business has, uh, the program has grown so much that we work with such a variety of people. But at the end of the day, my job is this, I don't want you to just get by. I want you to feel what it feels like to really do well, whether that's keeping up with your grandkids or doing something in the outdoors in the mountains in the West, like where we live, or whether that's on the court or, or in the ring or whatever it is that you want to call it. I, there's a difference between, yeah, I got through it. It was okay. And man, it was amazing. I had the, grass, the greatest time ever. And that difference can sometimes be nutrition. Man, that you have a gift. I'm just going to tell you that right now. You have a gift of being able to explain this stuff. Like I said, I mean, that's, that's awesome. It, it, that was such, there's so many snippets out of that, that I've already just taken note of. And I encourage the other people to take notes of this. Like if you, if you're listening to this, the beautiful thing about a podcast, what I always tell people, and yes, I'm biased because this is what I like to do, but you can go back and rewind it. You can listen to a thing over and over and over. You can take notes while you're listening. There's an amazing thing about podcasts because they live on forever. So you can hear it and go back and check it out. But the whole concept of like food being 
like nutrition being dynamic, it's, you know, recovering from yesterday, preparing, like, you know, or recovering from the exercise, preparing for tomorrow. Like you, it's a whole cycle. And I love that piece of that too. It's so important to know all of that. stuff, And it's, and like you said, it's simple, but you just need to actually, sometimes I think it just takes somebody explaining it. And then it's like, ah, yeah, man, that's, that's how it works. So I know a lot of uh, athletes and a lot of parents as well are going to take value. Or they're going to see the value in this. Um, I already know it because I'm, I'm going to be sharing it with the athletes that I coach as well for basketball and everything. But one last question, Kyle, if, if you can remind us all where, where we can find more information about what you guys provide. And if there is anybody that would like to take advantage of your services and maybe, you know, reach out to you guys, what's the connection points, the Instagram pages, you know, websites and whatnot. You mentioned it earlier in the show, but I want you to be able to reiterate that here at the end. Yeah. So we have all the things you're supposed to have nowadays online from, you know, podcast to website to everything. It's all under V and then the number two, pnutrition.com. So it's V2P Nutrition. That's the Instagram. That's the Facebook. That's the podcast. It's everything. Or uh, the program's called Valley of Peak Nutrition. So if you Google that, you'll, you know, it'll be the, the first thing that pops up and anything that you're interested in. Again, from free resources, accessing our podcast to some of the, you know, some of the, the products, if you want to look at that, um, can be found through doing that, just jumping on Google or looking at one of our social media sites. Heck yes, dude. Let's go. It'll be in the description of the podcast, guys. So by now, you've probably already looked at the description of the podcast, I would imagine. So if you're listening to this, you're like, yeah, I already clicked on the button um, or the link or whatever. But I will put that here for you guys to check out. I would highly encourage you guys to do so. Follow them. Listen to the podcast. Do do the things now that you've uh, heard Kyle's expertise and his insight. Um, now you can follow him. And maybe if you want to take advantage of the services, reach out to them and see what they can do for you guys. Kyle, I just want to say thanks, man. I appreciate you joining me. I know everyone's schedules are busy and you took the time to to find time to be able to share your expertise with us. And I and I just appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's It's been fun. I, I love doing these. I mean, we have a podcast and, and you were right. Like you said earlier, you said, well, I'm kind of biased. This is what I love to do. I couldn't agree more. Like conversations with people, meeting people and uh, being able to press record and go back and listen to them just is invaluable. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking your time. I know you're busy too and you're juggling kids, life, family, hobbies, and sports teams like everybody else. So I appreciate it. I know the work that goes into these. And so thank you for, for choosing me to, to be a guest. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I did. It's, it's an honor. And I hope that we can stay connected and I'll say, Hey, one more time, shout out Brittany for connecting the two of us. Cause hopefully <laughs> it'll be a, a friendship moving forward. And for all those who are listening, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Like I said before, it takes a village and I appreciate all the support over the last seven years. And we're, we're going to continue rolling this thing through. And so Thank you guys for listening. If, you, if, if you're new to the show, just hit the subscribe button on whichever platform that you're listening on because we'll be coming to you next week with another, with another interview. Sorry. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.